Hello out there. Welcome back to a game week. Oh, it's been so long. A long, arduous week without Ohio State football. But we're back, baby. And this is the Podcast Daily for a Tuesday of Ohio State-Iowa week. That is Bill Landis. I am Austin Ward. And it's back to a normal normal grind. And that means on Tuesdays, we have some questions for the Buckeyes. I write mine on Monday. I post them on Dotting the Eyes on Rivals. And then all of the ones that I missed... Bill takes those in this show. That's how I think this will work. <laughs> or or Bill will just steal one of the ones that you already wrote and oh. talk about that because uh, I feel like you hit on the most pressing ones. Um, okay. Front, front of mind for me, aside from the health, although I guess they go hand in hand, is what this looks like now that we assume Jackson Smith and Jigba is back in the fold. And you know, I'm I'm not suggesting in any way that it's a bad thing because it's not. But uh, guys have established roles here. So, what's it look like for Emeka Ibuka, who's played like half of his snaps in the slot? Uh, Julian Fleming has gotten a little bit of action there, uh, and both those guys can play outside as well. Marvin Harrison Jr. can obviously play outside. We think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to play all over the place. So, mm-hmm. not that I'm expecting Ryan Day to just like lay out the plan for us on Tuesday and say, "Here it is, uh, you and Iowa and everyone else," but. <laughs> um, I think I think there's a discussion to be had there just about when you when you when a talent like that is pulled out of the equation, it obviously impacts things. But then when you play so many games without him and then he comes back into the fold, how do you work that out? Because I'm I'm assuming there's some ego massaging that has to go on there, but but also too, we gotta figure out the proper plan to utilize all that talent. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's wild to think about. Uh, and I think we've mentioned this before, like Coming out of training camp, there were there was so much attention and hype for Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka that you know that overshadowed a little bit. If Julian Fleming had been fully healthy, he was almost certainly going to be one of those starters, and and part of that was because you were still dealing with a limited sample size for Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and Emeka both. Um, Marvin had really only done it in the Rose Bowl. Well, that certainly changed over the last six weeks, but. Now you also know what Julian Fleming provides as a blocker on the edge, how significant that's been for the running game. He's still running past people and scoring touchdowns deep as well. So like, this team is not suddenly going to go four wide and let them all play at the same time. That That's not the identity of this team. It's not wouldn't accomplish what Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson clearly want to do, which is uh, a third of the time is roughly going with 12 personnel, but also challenging their offensive line and leaning heavily on Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson to power a rushing attack because they felt like they weren't as balanced as they needed to be last year. By the way, that makes it harder to get the number of touches for both running backs or Cade Stover uh, or Mitch Rossi or G Scott or whoever else. Like this team is <laughs> this embarrassment of riches. Like you can dry, dial up whatever you want to do. And mm-hmm. that's what makes it maybe fun and a headache, like for everybody involved because. You're going to see, well, why isn't Jackson now getting 10 targets a week? Well, probably because Marvin Harrison Jr. has nine touchdowns and is a different, more polished receiver than he was two months ago. Like It's hard to wrap your mind around these all these guys all being so good and how their roles may shift once the whole unit is finally back together. Uh, I don't want people to feel bad for Ohio State for having too many good <laughs> players. <laughs> I, th- I hope that's not not how this comes across, but but it can be challenging for sure. That the thing that that I've always said about Jackson, and you know everyone thinks it too, is that when you, when you pull him out, it it 
it reconfigures everything because he has so much gravity to him. Everyone knows where he is. Well, the same is true when you put him back into the lineup. Uh, he has gravity to him, which means the ball is going to find him, and, and CJ right. Stroud is going to want to get it to him. So I, I don't. I think Brian Hartline's always done a really good job of making sure this is not an issue in his room, and I don't think it's suddenly going to become one. Um, but this offense has to continue operating at peak efficiency. And guys need to continue to to do what they've done to this point. I think everyone's played well, but it needs to persist now that maybe some of those realities are changing a little bit. And that's just something I think for for Ryan Day and his entire offensive staff to kind of have in their back of their mind as, as Jackson gets back into this. Yeah, we've seen Brian Hartline use six receivers. Last year was the shortest really rotation that he's used, and they just rolled with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigba because they were so much better than everybody else. It was hard to to argue with that approach. Um, now, I don't think it came at necessarily at the expense of the development of Emeka and Marvin because we saw what they've become anyway, um, but they could have theoretically expanded that mix and Brian Hartline could have gone to them, but he wasn't quite ready for that. That situation's different now, and you look at those, it has to be at least four. Like We know that's going to be the case, um, but Xavier Johnson has done some things enough that Ohio State let him do unique packages and get involved with that in Michigan State. Seen Jaden Bauer late in some games and certainly had a spring that had people really excited about his potential. So um, I don't think they'll get to six, but it'll probably be interesting to watch how they manage, uh, I don't know, four and a half, let's say. Yeah, at, le- at least four for sure. And listen, there's no there's no rule that says they can't put four of them on the field at the same time. They're allowed to do that. Um, Has anybody advocated for that recently? I don't, I'm not aware. Uh, uh yeah, I have a vague recollection of somebody writing a story that said that they could lean into their receiver talent more if they wanted to. But that was also at a time where I didn't think their tight end position was going to be very good this year, and I was wrong about that. Uh, they're yeah. actually very good at tight end uh, with Kate Stover and Mitch Rossi, what he brings to the table, and, and G. Scott's doing some stuff too. So there's, I guess the one thing that is a minor, and worry is probably not even the right word for it, but, but Ryan Day has talked about the idea of like having so much at your disposal and then wanting to do so much with it and then the result is, well, you're not good at anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I think they need to maybe combat that a little bit, too, because I, I can imagine uh, you can have a, a good deal of fun when you're in that coach's meeting room on the grease boards drawing stuff up with all the talent that's going to be on hand now. Yeah, that's how I feel. If I walk into a brewery and they said, here's 32 beers that we made, I'm going to say, I'm going to go to the next one. Like, you, I, <laughs> I agree. Like, you're spreading yourself too thin. There's no possible way. Uh, microbrewery in central Ohio that you can make 32 <laughs> good beers. You just can't. Okay. You can focus on six and you might have a couple that you rotate in, uh, you know, seasonal variety, you know, uh, a toss sweep to Xavier Johnson, perhaps uh, on draft, but you can, you're not going to do that. And I make the staple. You are not going to be able to perfect all of those recipes. So that clearly Ryan day and I share the same view on life based on that simple fact. Um, what narrow what down your f- options what is the flavor not flavor what is the type of beer <laughs> flavor it's like i've never had a beer before what's the flavor of beer what is the what is the type of beer that is mayan williams and trevion henderson on the field together in the backfield because i want to try that beer oh boy uh feels feels very big tennis it might be like a a, a pumpkin porter um <laughs> because it's also kind of pack a nice strong punch uh, you know, it, it's, it's not going to be one that you can crush four or five or six of like, 
you throw that out there once or twice, like somebody's flat on their back. I think that's what it is. Did did because Ryan Day mentioned this? Like, we I don't think we ever talked about it. He mentioned it last week, just sort of offhand, like, "Oh, we could put them both in the backfield together at the same time." Like, is that <laughs> real? Am I might to get excited about that, or is he just messing around with us? I think the person right behind me that I'm talking to on this podcast, I heard their pin click right behind me. <laughs> so, huh? Well, that's an interesting thing that was just dropped in the middle of an off date press conference. I, I mean, I don't think that he does much to mess with the media. Um, and he doesn't pay much attention to the coverage anyway. So it was unusual that he just casually mentioned that. Um, I'm not sure who it was for, who it was like, it wasn't just to get us excited. Maybe it was to get uh, Mayan and Travion excited for the opportunity. I'm not really sure how that would work or why, um, what it would bring to the offense, really. I mean, <laughs> I'd have a lot of questions about that, and I that wasn't the way I phrased it in Monday's five questions, but um, I had almost – it was so casually mentioned that I'd almost forgot about it until you reminded me. <laughs> it is – I mean, uh, taking that out of the equation, it is interesting, I guess, how they're going to kind of manage those reps now that both those guys are presumably healthy and, and, and back in the mix, and I think we expect Mayan to, to be available this week. We'll, we'll find that out, I guess, but – um, it sounds like they're trending in that direction. They're going to have both of them back again. And what that looks like, because I feel like it's been forever since they've had that available. To, to them. Yeah. It's kind of been one guy's out, the other guy's been out. Um, so this is a little different, but I, yeah, I don't know. The two of them together on the field, I think, I remember they did it with Mike Weber and Curtis Samuel. Those are two very different players. Um, right. I don't, I don't know if these two are different enough that it makes sense, but um, sign me up for it. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see it because the last two weeks have been um, both of those guys put on excellent displays. You are the featured back. You get to go do everything. And Ryan Day admitted in this same answer uh, last week on, on Tuesday in the Woody that it's like, uh, I think these guys really enjoyed the opportunity to not look over their shoulder, to not be coming out. And clearly they got into some of that rhythm and they both ran with reckless abandon and made the most of their carries. Like, I don't believe either one of them is upset about the situation, complimentary backs, sharing the workload. I think they've seen the value of that in the long run, how that helps them physically, because at this, the only reason that they had those opportunities was because the other guy was hurt and it's a long season. So I think they've constantly been getting those reminders. Tony Alford has talked about that and managed that with them. We had just seen it right before. It was like, well, that is the most dangerous example they're not going series by series they're not you know it's your turn in out in out you know Mayan finished off some drives Travion still wound up with I believe 21 carries against Wisconsin and and Mayan had 11 it's like okay well you can see how this might work and then it got sidetracked immediately the next week so we'll go right back to the way it was three weeks ago I don't know maybe probably but it's another one of these quote-unquote good problems to have too many good players. <laughs> Whoa, is Ohio State? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they function. Poor guys. Okay, what is there? Is there any non-injury stuff that's on your mind? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, like nothing. Nothing non-related <laughs> to injuries, and nothing about Iowa. All right. Cool. Uh, well, I I have we didn't we've not received the email yet on on who we're talking to uh, yet this week, but. Um, I'm hopeful we get Kevin Wilson. Uh, I like to maybe pick his brain a little bit on, on what makes Iowa's defense tick. Um, and 
because it's a weird it's a weird thing with them that and i kind of mentioned on the rooster show on monday like they're very good like statistically they're always very good but every now and then they'll play a team like michigan last year in the big 10 championship that just absolutely steamrolls them mm-hmm. and um like Ohio State is clearly capable of that, but I, I don't know if that's just a talent disparity that, that kind of comes to the forefront when you get in those games. Maybe that's what it is, but uh, this is clearly one of the best defenses in the country. They've been doing it this way forever. Um, and I know when Ryan Day was talking about Wisconsin, it was like, Wisconsin, we, like you know what you're going to get with, with Wisconsin. And I think you know what you're going to get with Iowa, um, but I'm interested about that. that What I think could be a little bit of a chess match there with Ohio State's offense working in some new pieces and what's what they want to do differently and and an Iowa defense that regardless of what you might think of that program or the offense um is pretty good and and I think you know travels pretty well for them every week. Yeah, I think Bobby made a great point about this on Monday that like you're going to have to pick and choose over the next 5 weeks. Like let's just assume that Michigan is the most complete team that Ohio State is going to play. We may say that there's some flaws, doesn't matter. We're just for the sake of this argument like one week at a time, you're going to say, well, this week you'll learn this about Ohio State. And this is this will be the best defense that they played, most likely. Um, sometimes those stats are overwhelmed for Iowa because of how inept the offense is. But I think that'll be significant. If they run the ball successfully, if they, I mean, if they score 38 points and it looks really easy, um, that would be a bad sign for everybody else in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Not that the first six weeks... I haven't already put them on notice, but I think that would be a pretty significant accomplishment. Uh, and then, you know, that bar will change depending on, you know, for Penn State next week, uh, if they've got a mobile quarterback available or whatever happens with, with Sean Clifford and Drew Auer. You're just going to have to go and pick pick and choose these spots every single week because the simple reality is that in the Big Ten, and I'm going to include Michigan in this part of the statement, like nobody can come close to their talent and nobody is playing more complete football on both sides of the football um, than what Ohio State is right now. So will that change by the end of November? I kind of doubt it, but um, certainly there's a lot more football to play, be played, and this sport is unpredictable every week anyway. just think what has been built right now at Ohio State is pretty sustainable. Yeah, I, I think so too. And that, that kind of stood out to me sort of this weekend watching games and not having to pay attention to Ohio State that if I was an Ohio State fan, I, I would probably come away feeling pretty good knowing that they've played so well on both sides of the ball. And aside from, you know, a couple of 50-50 corner or 50-50 balls to the cornerbacks, I don't think there's much you can say about this team that that would have you worried. Um but I think there's some perspective that comes with that too for Ryan Day and, and you know, if his players and coaches, I'm assuming, watch a lot of football this weekend too. Like, I don't know, maybe if something gets reaffirmed for them about the urgency at hand or, um, I don't know, something about how how things can kind of get taken away from me if you look at an Alabama team that, that lost because it wasn't wasn't on point. Like, I don't, I don't think Iowa threatens Ohio State that way. But mm-hmm. I think a Penn State could, even if, you know, even for as bad as Penn State looked against Michigan, they still have talented players. And on the right day, I think they can play with Ohio State. So I, I wonder what what was gained from being able to sit back and and watch what was a really exciting college football weekend, but also one, too, that I thought was pretty informative about just how this landscape is shaping up nationally. Yeah, when we sit there and talk about, like, well, what could hurt Ohio State? Well, the cornerbacks haven't played – 100% perfect football and the special teams aren't good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Tough break for Ohio State again. Oh, man. How can they ever survive? I mean, it's not to diminish those things because, like, potentially a better, more competent passing attack 
could make that, you know, could expose that problem. Or if you give away a possession again in a tighter game, uh, let's say the last week of the regular season, and if you can't field a kickoff or a punt, we've actually seen that happen in these and make a, a rivalry game closer than it needed to be for Ohio State by giving away possessions in those situations. Like clearly those things to reach Ohio State's full potential have to be addressed. But if those are the only ones that we can really nitpick at, they might win a national championship anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's right. Those are those are areas that I think are are not easy to clean up, but but probably more so than, you know, a dysfunctional offense or or a <laughs> or a more uh more monumental shortcoming on on defense. Uh to to that end, uh are you expecting new faces returning in the special teams area this week? Yeah, I mean I think they need to. Um I'm not I don't know. I guess I'm t- maybe I'm not. I don't know. I'm talking myself into it and out of it. Like if Jackson is back and they think he's fully healthy, then they need to get the punt return situation fixed. And if they are able to do that, then Ameka is far more comfortable returning kickoffs and a lot better than Chip Trainum has been so far. And I don't think that that's Chip Trainum's fault. Like he may be catching kickoffs every week. We know he is in practice, but he's also not handling the football with the consistency that he used to when he was playing at running back. So that situation hasn't worked. And that may be as simple as, uh, you know, one fix right there. Um, even something like potentially adding Taraja Mitchell back in, you know, uh, to the coverage units could be significant for them. Mm-hmm. He's done that for several years and he's missed. I don't know if it's, if it's three or four weeks now, I'd have to double check on that, that he's been working through an injury. You know, we, everybody saw him make the costly, you know, penalty, jumping over the shield and he hasn't played that much before, uh, since then. It's not a, we were asked about this on uh, the message board at dotting the eyes. Like, is he actually hurt? Did he get benched? I mean, Roger Mitchell has played at a very high level on special teams. It hasn't ever quite translated fully to when he's been out there on defense, but that guy runs down to cover kickoffs, like, like nobody's business. And he's a key part of what they do uh, in the punt game. Like, and that sounds silly, but if we're going to nitpick this team and let's drill down on it, like not having Trajan Mitchell on special teams has been a big deal for them. It has. And it's not one that I've thought of all that much, but I think it's a good thing to point out. Like, and I, I wrote a thing last week and we've talked a lot about the special teams and the coverage units in particular. Well, punt's been good, but, but kickoff coverage in particular has looked a little leaky. Um, I think sometimes we, we underestimate that like, Preparation and practice and experience also factor in on special teams too. I think sometimes we're just like, go cover the kick. What are you talking about? Just, <laughs> just run down and tackle the guy. But they've had, because of some of the injuries they've had in the secondary and with a guy like Taraja Mitchell and Palie Noote missed some time as well. And he's an important special teams player. Like they have been probably relying on guys who they otherwise would not be putting in those situations. So those are much more under the radar injury concerns and guys we've you know just get overshadowed by jackson smith and jigba and mayan williams and jordan hancock but they're important yeah. um so if they can get guys like that back i think that does a lot to help their special teams i'm not sure if that's what you were trying to ask me but uh that's how i answered it anyway that's all right it's a, it's a free-flowing conversation <laughs> okay is there anything else we need or are you just ready for a, a tuesday back in the woody uh for iowa game week I'm excited for a Tuesday back in the Woody to to talk about uh, a game. It was it was it's been it's been nice trying to fit a week of content uh, together when they didn't have a game to play. But I'm thankful that we have one back. Yeah, that was 
there was only so much midseason talk that we could really do, and we did our best, and we got through it, and now we're back, and there's a game five days away on Saturday at noon in the Horseshoe. Can't wait to cover it and everything leading up to it on the podcast and at Dotting the Eyes as part of the Rivals Network. Uh, that's Bill. I am Austin. We will see you later on Tuesday for some Snappy Jays back in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Until then, bye-bye.